Hello and welcome to this very, very special uh, new edition. We're bringing this to you today. We'll, we'll be, we, may bring, we may be bringing a few more of these as well over time as we want to discuss and explore this topic. Uh, today we're talking about sport in the future. And it's a very important issue. And it's talking about sport in the future, particularly today, the focus is on Australia. But some of this could apply around the world today. Um, we all know the situation. We've all lived through the last two years of a, of a, of a pretty significant uh, global pandemic that is lingering, that is making life difficult, but is changing the nature of more so has sped up the change in the nature of society and the change in the nature of the way people consume their sport, the way that people participate in their sport. A lot of this change was, was occurring before the pandemic, but the pandemic has accelerated its, its, um, its ch the, the change. So what we're talking about today is, is, is related to that and, and where, where the future is, particularly in Australia for, for sport, uh, particularly community sport, grassroots sport. This is, this is sort of the area we're talking about. Not so much professional sport where things are a bit different, um, but certainly, certainly in the areas. And, and some of this does probably apply. Some of this will probably apply to professional sport. A lot of it applies to junior sport. I think that's where the biggest change is going to occur as we move forward. So as we're getting into this, it's, it's all about sport in the future. What's, what's it going to look like? What should it look like? And, and I've, I've said previously on previous programs and talked about this on the Great Sports Debate that we do here on a Friday, on a Sunday with myself and my good friend from uh, New South Wales, Kieran Longhurst, and also, uh, also spoken to some degree about this on The Thinking Coach with David Petrozello, uh, my good friend from Canada, is that community sport is changing. It's evolving. Uh, we need a 21st century way of looking at things now. The old 20th century models of how to do it are not going to work anymore. So we've got to start thinking about how do we how do we how do we change that? How do we go about it differently? So what I'm about to, to show you, what I'm about to go through, is a bit of a presentation uh, on where I see things going. I want to state for the record, this is my view this is this is what i see as a possibility I, I hope others will join the conversation and we'll have a conversation around the future of sport around the future of club-based sport and whether that really is the best the best model going forward so let's let's get into into it i'm going to bring up a presentation that i've i've got myself i've got done so sports in the future. Um, I want to talk about this. Sports in the future. The era of sports-specific clubs in Australia. In Australia is over. The era of sports-specific clubs in Australia is over. And what do I mean by sports-specific clubs? I'm talking about cricket clubs, soccer clubs, uh, hockey clubs, you know, AFL clubs, big junior, big community clubs. Is the era of this over? Sports-specific based clubs. Is that era over? We've seen changes, some changes 
in professional sport already where professional clubs uh, like the Collingwood Magpies, the GWS Giants uh, are collaborating. They've got netball teams. There's other sorts of things happening around the place. So it is happening. It is happening at the professional level anyway. So I think this is a conversation that needs to be had. Uh, and where do we go from here? So is the era of sports-specific clubs in Australia over? Well, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. It's a question that I think has an answer to it that would surprise some people. Um, I think it's it's interesting. I think it's certainly worth discussing. And the answer, well, the answer is perhaps, and this is important to remember, the answer is perhaps yes and no. I think sports-specific clubs that are big, big clubs that have got big numbers and a big base and a big geographical area to really pull from have probably got a future as standalone. They've probably got a future standing alone on their own. If you're a big cricket club or you're a big hockey club or you're a big soccer club or you're a big basketball club, uh, et cetera, you've probably got something there. You've probably got a future. You can probably stand alone there and you can probably be quite effective. I'm not so sure whether that's the same case for the, the smaller entities. Whether the smaller entities, particularly in certain places, are going to have to start to look at different ways to do things, to come together, to try and see if there's a way to survive and thrive in a new environment. We, we, we're moving into the 20, into the 20, we're in the 21st century. And I think since the, on this, with the onset of the global pandemic, it's sped a lot of things up. And this is one area that it's sped up. So the answer to the question is probably a bit of yes and no. And I think it's time we start thinking differently. We start looking for diversity. We start trying to look at different ways of doing things. It's time to consider, and this is what I come back to, it's time to consider new paths, options, ways forward. That's what we're talking about here. We have to consider new paths, options, and ways forward. Now, this is going to impact some sports more than others because some sports actually do some of what I'm talking about quite well. Other sports, in Australia that is, don't do it as well and are going to need to adjust and adapt and they're going to need to also probably adjust and adapt a lot of other areas to go with it because it's going to change a lot of other, other things that come with it. It's a tricky balancing act. It is a tricky balancing act. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean if you're a sports-specific club that you can't survive. If you're a specific club that's set up for one sport, it doesn't mean you can't survive. I just think you're less likely to moving forward. I think young people, young kids, young people particularly, uh, the millennial generation, if you will, um, are going to, the Facebook generation and those that are coming after it, are going to consume their sport very differently. They're going to consume their sport in different ways. They're going to want to participate in sport differently. They're probably not going to going to want to spend four or five hours in the beating sun in the middle of summer playing cricket. Probably not going to want to do it, uh, and and that's 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 a reality. As as hard as that is for cricket clubs to hear, 
traditional cricket clubs to here, that is the reality of where it's headed. Um, no longer, as much as I hate to say this, no longer is it considered that that is what kids want. Uh, I think there's a, there's a trend, there's a change. I also think kids should not, and, I, and I'll say this a bit further on, I also don't think kids want to consume one sport at a time. They don't want to be stuck with one sport. They want to look at all their options. They want to shop around. They want to try a range of different sports. And if it is something that interests them, they may then specialise in one much, much later that leads them to wanting to have a career in sport if that's what they want to do, particularly around professional sport. So some of the things I think need to be considered going forward, some of the ways that I think need to be considered going forward, some of the options that I think need to be thought about by existing clubs out there. They need to create multiple pathways, multiple ways to consume. And there's, there's a couple of reasons they need to do this. They need to do it, one, because that's going to be the trend. People will want to consume this sport in different ways. They'll want to participate in different ways. But two, if they don't, they risk not having enough revenue coming in to stay afloat and stay viable. This helps them to do that. I certainly do believe some sporting clubs, smaller sporting clubs, should be looking around for partners from other smaller sporting clubs to see if they can come together as multi-sports. But we'll, we'll get to that. So one area I think needs to be considered, and this may not be so much clubs, this is more adults, park sports, park sports. So um, clubs set up competitions in local parks. Teams are not set, they're not firm. Kids can come down, they can participate, they pay a certain amount per week to participate, they participate in, in it and they go home. And I think that's something that needs to be considered as a pathway option. So park sports. So they would come down, they'd participate in the day. It's all like social sports, I guess, sort of like social sports, but with a little bit more structure to it. Um, there wouldn't necessarily be teams, but we'd have to, you'd have to have a look at that. There wouldn't necessarily be set teams. Teams would shift and move around. Uh, parents, kids, adults, whoever's involved would come and they'd pay so much. They might pay 10 bucks or $10 for the day. And that gets them to participate in whatever the sport might be. So clubs should be thinking about, can they do this? Is this something that they should be doing? You know, for example, if you know, my sport of hockey, should we be looking at the idea of park sports going back to grass, going back to traditional, going back to grass and setting up um, grass hockey, park grass hockey in parks. You know, none of the equipment, the players don't have to provide the equipment. Equipment's all provided. Everything's provided for them and they participate. You see this happening anyway. It is existing. It is happening. Um, on a social side, it probably needs to be formalised and that's what I see park sports as being, more of a formal approach to it. So... It's an interesting concept. I think it's a concept that needs to be looked at. I think it's a concept that is coming. I think the trend is there. I think the trend lines are there. We're seeing it in other countries already. And I think we're going to see it here pretty soon.
Um, this is an important one for me. This is one that I I really do believe is is huge. Friends playing together in their own teams. I want to talk about this one because this one I think is important, particularly for genius. I think you're going to find less and less do kids sign up to clubs and allow clubs to want to put them in a, their team, in a team. They're going to want to play with their friends. They want to play with their mates. They want to play with people, kids they know. So they're going to start coming along, making their own teams and coming along and saying, we want to play together as a team. We have a coach. We have a team. Everyone's organised. We want to play together as a team. We want to register as a team. I think clubs are going to have to adapt to that. They're going to have to accept that. And they're going to have to start looking at ways to make that possible. I also think associations are going to have to think a little bit differently. You know, a lot of sports, you know, a lot of sports in Australia, you know, have this idea that particularly at association level, uh, that you've got to be a club, that you've got to pay affiliation fees, that you can't set up as a one, you can't come in as one team participating. There's a whole range of things around that. I think some associations and clubs are going to have to rethink this. There's more and more I think we're going to see this trend. I actually think basketball is one of the few that actually does do this very well. They do allow for this. They do actually allow for this sort of thing to occur within their structure, particularly around their summer competitions in some parts of Australia. I think the rest of the sports are going to have to adapt and go with this. I don't see it, particularly in junior sports, where you're going to see kids come along, particularly in the younger age brackets. I'm not saying it'll happen when they want to go into talent pathways, et cetera, but this is going to affect talent pathways as well. This is going to change some of that. I think they're going to have to start thinking about this. I think sporting clubs have to start thinking about this. Kids want to play together with their friends. They want to play together with their mates. They'll go where the pack takes them. They'll play the sport where the pack takes them. You know, why can't they be allowed to? You know, for example, why can't if a school comes along and they've managed to got, get, uh, they've managed to get enough players to form a cricket team or enough players to form a hockey team, for example, or a soccer team, whatever it may be, why can't they then go to an association or go to a club and register as that group? and play under their own umbrella, uh, play under their own name. I think this is where it's headed. I think this is a trend that's coming. I think you're seeing it. It's there. The evidence is already there. And I think it's going to happen more and more. So clubs are going to have to adjust because clubs are not going to, are not going to be able to be dogmatic and say, no, 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 we put you in teams. I think they're going to have to be a little less dogmatic and far more flexible in allowing it. They have been, some clubs are, don't get me wrong, some clubs are, they do allow for flexibility, but a lot of clubs, I'm afraid, don't in a lot of sports. And they're going to have to adjust. And they're also going to have to provide different levels of competition because some of these teams want to come in, they want to play at the highest, the higher levels. Some will come in, they just want to come in for fun, play together as their mates and have fun. So they're going to have to provide levels for them. And that, that's where I think changes. I think associations are going to have to adapt. They're going to have to start accepting teams into competitions as opposed to full clubs and not charge whacking big 
affiliation fees and levies and all of this business. And there are a couple of sports out there that I think are going to have to really seriously consider the levels of fees that they charge. And, and one of them is my own, hockey. Hockey's going to have to, has to make some serious decisions around, around what it's doing. It's, it's, it's slowly but surely managed to price itself, price its, itself out of the market and it has to get back to basics and start looking at ways to, to increase the base. And some of these ideas help that. So I think that's one thing that's, this is one thing that's going to definitely change and trend. And it's already been seen in different parts. It's already been seen and it's going to happen more and more. This is another one. This is very, very important. And this, this tends to get a bit overlooked. We're not too big in Australia wanting to allow for alternative versions of the, of, of the sports to happen. We tend to have a problem around the traditionalists versus the non-traditionalists or the modernists in some sports, not all sports, but we tend to have this issue. There tends to be a fight between the traditionalists and the modernists. And I use, this, I use hockey as an example here. There are those that argue that anything other than 11-a-side hockey is not hockey. Well, I counter that point by saying it's still being played with a stick. It's still being played with a ball. You're still playing the rules of the game as it would normally take place. You're playing on a turf or indoors. There's not much variation there. You're still scoring goals the way you would normally do. It's just that there's less players on the field, perhaps. Or there's, there's rule tweaks here and there to make the game more interesting for kids. It's still hockey. It's all the basic skills and principles of the game are still there. So my argument is, and this, is, this goes for any, any sport, you need alternative versions. And this is both for juniors and adults. You've got to have alternative versions of the sport. You've got to have alternative participation levels. Young kids particularly want a, a, a game that allows them to have multiple touches in it, of the ball, a lot of participation, maximum participation, real opportunities to score goals and, make, and do expect and, and do what they, they consider to be fun stuff. That's what they want. So you've got to have alternative versions. Some sports are good at it. Some sports are very good at it. Other sports have got a lot to learn about how to do it. And there are a lot of sports out there that have got to start embracing it far more. There's a reason why Europe, uh, in particularly in, in a lot of sports, is a lot more successful than a lot of other parts of the world because they embrace alternative versions. They embrace alternative versions of the sport. You know, in my sport of hockey, Europe particularly base, embrace the idea of small-sided games for young kids up to a certain level. Uh, beach hockey, for example, is another thing. Beach soccer. All of these things have got to come into it. You've got to find different ways to make a sport work and you need, an, you need alternative versions doing that. And that's why I think alternative versions of the sport are going to be the trendy. This is what I say about cricket. Cricket's going to have to seriously consider whether it wants to continue, particularly junior level, whether it wants to continue with this idea of um, 
kids playing all day or all morning from, say, 8.30 in the morning till midday for two days, for, for over two days, or whether T10 cricket's got to be put on the, on the table, cricket under lights on a Friday night's got to be... Look, cricket has done some things. It's done some things, but it hasn't gone far enough to me. Uh, AFL, who likes to pretend it's the cutting edge, I don't think it's really gone far enough in relation to some of this. I don't think it's done enough. I don't think it's looking at it, at it enough. Um, so there are some trends, there are some things that are going to have to be seen and done, and, and I think they're going to find things are going to change. So alternative versions of the sport's a big one. I think people are going to, I think that's going to become a big trend. Uh, this is something I think is very big. I think we're going away, like I say, we're going away from a cricket club or a hockey club or a soccer club, or an AFL club, or a lacrosse club, or um, a badminton club, or a tennis club. Tennis is a bit different. Or a golf and tennis are a bit different. They, they probably don't quite fall into the same category, but baseball club. I think we're heading more towards multi-sport clubs where kids, adults, will have an opportunity to consume several different sports and participate in several different sports at that club or that venue. I think this is a trend that's going to happen more and more. I think this is the direction it's going. And I think we're going to see more of it. And I think clubs out there are going to have to consider how they come together. I think we're seeing, we've seen it already in the country. I think we've already seen it with sports, with various local clubs in diff from different sports disciplines coming together and forming sporting associations or sporting clubs and working together. I think we're seeing that and sharing resources. I think the same thing's going to happen in the cities. It's going to have to happen in the cities. I think it's going to happen everywhere. And I think it'll start more with smaller clubs than, it will, than necessarily bigger ones. As I said before, I think if you're big already, I think you're probably okay for a while. But if you're not big, I think you're going to struggle. And I think you know, people say to me, oh, rubbish, it's not going to happen. Well, it's already happening. And the other thing, too, it's already happening in professional sport. Like I say, Collingwood Football Club have, have the Collingwood Magpies and the netball. They're involving themselves with cricket. Um, Essendon's done the same. Uh, that's in AFL. Uh, the GWS Giants are doing it. Uh, there's rugby clubs, rugby league clubs doing it. There's clubs here in Perth, I know, that have picked up that banner and are doing it too. That's where it's headed. It may not, some cases it's formal. They're actually under the same umbrella. Some cases it's informal. And I think that's what you're going to see here. Some cases it'll be formal. They'll be under, they'll be working together. In some cases, it will be informal, but it'll be happening. It'll be happening. It'll be the trend. And I think particularly around juniors, because junior kids won't want to be tied down to one sport. There'll be some that will. They believe that they, they can be a test cricketer or they believe they can be an AFL footballer or they believe they can play uh, top-level uh, football in Europe or whatever. So they will tie themselves to a sport and they'll stick. A lot of kids won't anymore. They won't. 
They want to continue to do multi-sports for as long as possible. And then maybe later on down the track, they'll pick one. This will also mean that sporting associations, sporting bodies like, for example, the high performer at the high performer are going to have to think differently around talent identification. They're going to have to think differently around all of those things because it's going to change that. There's going to be some kids out there that are not going to be seen in the are not going to be in the traditional systems and the traditional pathways that you you've set up because they're off enjoying themselves doing multiple sports. And the other thing that's going to happen with this is that the pressure has to stop around wanting to specialize, wanting kids to specialize in, in, in a specific sport. And we'll talk more about that in the future, but that has to stop. You have to allow kids to want to embrace and try different sports, embrace and try different things. And that's what I believe the trend is heading towards is multi-sports clubs that will do that. And, you know, as I say, the evidence is already there that it's happening. Okay, it's not happening in Australia on a big scale yet, in the true sense of the word, but it's there. If people look, it's already there. And I think once they catch fire, which they will, uh, particularly as we come out of this global pandemic, then it'll become a, a major trend. Look, this people are going to go on about this forever, saying this is not a, they're not sport, they're not this, they're not that. Uh, well, I'm sorry, the the um, the jury is back on this. They are. They're sports. And they've been sports for a long, long time. The jury is back. Esports are a thing. Esports are real. Esports are a multi-million dollar industry. And sporting clubs are going to have to embrace them in their, in their, deliver, in their pathways to deliver it. They're going to have to make this an option because it's, it's there to stay. I think clubs have to consider making this an option, allowing looking at ways to create this, looking at ways to bring it in. Particularly when you're in a global pandemic and kids can't come and participate at the club, esports could be a good way to do it. And I'm not saying esports in the sense of, you know, sitting in front of an Xbox, think differently, look differently at this. But esports are definitely a thing. They're definitely a way forward. And I think they're, they're here to start. They are here to stay. The question is, is the sporting community and community sport in Australia willing to embrace it? in the way that it needs to happen, it has to happen. They have to be prepared to embrace it. They have to be prepared to go with it. They have to be prepared to include it in, in, in options for how people can consume a specific aspect of sport. And that's why I say multi-sport clubs are coming. Esports fit into that. That's where esports fit in. And I can see this being a big part of it as well. Neighbourhood sports. Now, this is an interesting one. This is a concept that comes has come to me, my idea around it, is, is a little bit similar to what we see. We see these neighbourhood libraries set up, these uh, neighbourhood libraries that were set up, these, basically these giant, um, we've seen some of these occur, these giant, like, letterboxes in neighbourhoods and streets, and maybe this is called street neighbourhood street sports, I don't know, um, where, and toy like, little community toy libraries, where people can take books 
toys, etc., out and play with them and then put them back. While this is not necessarily going to happen straight away because we're still dealing with the pandemic, we're still dealing with sanitizers and all of this, all of this sort of stuff, and it, it probably isn't necessarily right for the time now. Um, I think that this is coming where you'll have neighbourhood sports, where uh, neighbours will, there will be a, a sports equipment, um, neighbourhood sports equipment box or something somewhere in a park. People will be able to come along, take out a soccer ball and go and have a go. People will be able to come along, take out a cricket set, go and have a go. I think that's what you're going to see. I think that's happening. They won't be bringing the set. They'll, the set will be provided. You'll see this in parks. They'll be locked. They'll be secured. And I think you'll see this start to happen. And it'll happen more and more. And this is this will get back to the social sports, the social sports that we're seeing. And I think councils particularly are going to have to think a little differently here. They can't restrict this, this, this sort of thing. I think if they start to restrict this sort of thing or they start to want to charge, they're going to get themselves in trouble. We can't do this. We've got to allow everyone to participate. And I think this neighbourhood sports idea is, is something that will happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen straight away because you're still, we're still working our way through a lingering, a lingering pandemic that probably makes some of the elements of this impossible to do. But I can see it happening. I can see it happening. I can see neighbourhood streets possibly doing something like this with their kids. If their kids have got, uh, you know, as a way to get the kids outside and playing and, and actually not stuck in front of a computer. I could see this happening. I could see it happening. And I think this is something new. I think this is a new concept and I think I can see it happening. And I'll certainly talk more about it, about it in the future, about what I think it looks like and how I think it operates, but it'll operate sort of similarly to what these community libraries that have been set up, these community um, community toy libraries, community book libraries that have been set up around the place. I think it'll be the same. It'll go the same way and it'll be interesting to see how it works um, in the long term. So, through all of this, what's important to remember, and I think this is important to remember through all of it, we, it's time we think differently. It's, it, we, sporting clubs are going to have to think differently. Um, they have to start looking at things from a 21st century point of view. They have to start planning from a 21st century point of view. In terms of how this impacts talent pathways, in terms of how this impacts those sort of things, well, I think the high-performance end of these sports is going to, are going to have to rethink how they identify talent. Perhaps in some way they're going to have to hark back to the past in order to do what needs to be done in the future. And what I mean by that is that perhaps they're going to have to consider um, using more modern technology, actually going out and finding the talent and identifying the talent and not just looking at, the top end elite pathway that's there, but actually looking at all the various options because they, they may miss somebody who's just doing participation who might be keen if, if it's put to them the right way. So I think there's, there's a bit of this, there's a lot to be done here, a lot to be unpacked, a lot to be looked at. 
But Australian sport going forward, I think the era of the sport-specific club in general is over. It's over in its current form. And there's going to have to be a rethink of how they want to do things, how you want to do things. You're going to have to start looking at how you can embrace the idea of kids coming along saying, we want to play as a team together. You're going to have to embrace those ideas and you're going to have to accept that to a degree. And I think associations particularly are going to have to accept the concept that they're going to get teams wanting to come and just enter a team, not, not, not a club, but a team, just enter a team. And how are you going to do that? Some sports already know how to operate and how to do this. I think a lot of the other sports are going to have to really get up to speed on this very quickly. And the other thing I think will have to happen, governments have to reduce red tape. It should not be so difficult to get incorporated for a club to do all of those things. It shouldn't be that hard. I think clubs are going to have to uh, start, governments are going to have to really consider at all levels the red tape around some of this stuff and, and look to reduce it look to reduce it and look to make it easier, look to make it easier. I think that's something that has to, has to be considered moving forward as well. Uh, so there you have it. Sport in the future is changing you know, and, and you're seeing it change before your eyes. What this global pandemic's done is it's sped that up. It's sped the change up. And I think we're going to see more of this. We're going to see more of it. And Australia has to catch up. Australia is actually quite a, to be honest with you, Australia is actually a fair way behind the rest of the world. And we have to catch up. We're going to have to catch up. We're going to have to catch up fast because a lot of other places are doing things better than us in this space. And I think we have to get things better and we have to catch up and we have to move forward. There's a lot of organisations out there government, sport, et cetera, and they want to talk the talk. They don't tend to do a lot of walking on this, on these sort of things, and they're going to have to start to do that. So that's just some thoughts that I had. I think the journey, um, I think the debate is interesting. I'd love to see what others think. I'd love to hear what others think um, and where this is going to go. It's going to be interesting. You know, I think there's a lot, to unpack, there's a lot, to a lot of change coming. Uh, some of it's scary, but good, scary good. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. So I welcome you to this, this conversation and I encourage you to join us. Comment on this on Facebook. It'll be there on YouTube a little bit later on our YouTube channel for you to have a look at, uh, to, to go over. Uh, please put your suggestions forward. What do you think? Do you think park sports are a trend? Do you think neighbourhood sports are going to happen? Do you see the possibility that the clubs as we know them are no longer going to be sports-specific clubs but multi-sport clubs? Is, is that where we're headed? Um, I'd be interested to hear what everyone's got to say. And uh, let's get the debate rolling. Let's have a real prop, proper debate about this. Look forward to it. Catch you later.